back, everybody, to the Corn Fed Coaching Podcast. As always, we have a very special guest uh, on the show today. Um, we are joined by Dan Rothert. Um, and Dan, I'll let you kind of uh, give your coaching journey, uh, playing as much detail as you'd like. Um, for the people that don't know, uh, you know, let them know who you are. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, Dan Rothert. Um, I'm excited to be on here. Uh, I've been listening to you guys' podcast for quite a while, but uh, so glad you, you invited me out. But uh, yeah, a lot of experience in the coaching world and the soccer world, obviously, been my, my whole life. Um, I actually started playing. I, I lived in uh, Omaha, Nebraska as a really little kid. And I can't, you know, soccer there was a little bit bigger than it was in Iowa at the time. And and in second grade, I moved over to Davenport, Iowa. My dad got a new job, and um, I was just, you know, thought I was, I liked soccer in Omaha, but I got to Davenport, and I was scoring like six goals a game. It was one of those things, right? And I'm like, well, maybe I'm pretty good at this. So um, that's where I kind of fell in love with it. Um, just played some recreational stuff for a little bit. Um, and then, you know, about sixth grade, um, one of the dads took a group of, kids that were you know some of the better players from the area and made a team and we were you know we were called jerry and sparky's bicycle shop that was the name of our team so you know uh, <laughs> you know we were sponsored by this team we had we had no numbers on our jerseys we had a bike on the back of it um you know it was a free t-shirt we uh i think our goalie wore construction gloves that had little stick them on it so but we had a lot of fun. Actually, a ton of those guys ended up playing in college, which was really, really cool. And um, we we kind of got started from the, the grassroots. That's, you know, in the in the mid-'80s. And, uh, you know, there was a couple teams in, in Iowa at the time, ours, and Bet North Soccer Association was already going, and, and West Des Moines Vandals was the club, you know. That was the other one going. So we'd go to tournaments and it would be the three of us fighting it out. And, um, you know, so had that experience. Um, you know, went to high school. I, I played all the sports. I was a, you know, multi-sport athlete, played a ton of different things, played some basketball, some baseball, um, ran some cross country and then soccer obviously was my main thing. And, uh, I was looking for a place to, to go to college eventually. And, and um and i wanted to play and uh back then recruiting wasn't really a thing it was you kind of showed up and you know maybe had to do a tryout maybe had opportunity there to play and and so i was looking around and um you know ended up at loris college um you know up in dubuque i was in davenport so it was only an hour hour and a half away it wasn't too far um uh, eric johnson who's the coach at western illinois was my coach and uh, i'd called eric um on a whim the summer couple couple weeks before the season actually i was set to go to st thomas up in minnesota um because i really didn't know uh it was the first school i visited and they said you could be on a team so i'm like yeah sure i'll go there um, <laughs> good fit <laughs> yeah and then i found out it wasn't a good fit i went finally went for orientation and did overnight and i wasn't really excited about it i called eric a week later, my parents were nice enough to say, yeah, if you didn't like uh, St. Thomas, you still have some time to change your mind. I called Eric at Loris. He was brand new at the time. Eric said, yeah, you know, I got room and you scored, you know, 20 goals in your senior year in high school. I'll take a guy like that. <laughs> Never seen me play, you know, and that's how it went. It was like, um, let me join the team and, um, you know, ended up being there and had an awesome experience. You know, I, 
I credit, you know, Eric was my first real soccer coach. I claim, you know, I had, I had dads who were great people and um, even, even as high school coaches um, and, you know, that club team kind of continued through high school, the same group of guys and the same dad was, was doing stuff with us. But I got to college and it was a totally different, you know, outlook on the game and, and it changed me and it made me want to get into coaching and it made me want to pursue um, that opportunity, you know, I thought, oh man, that's a pretty cool lifestyle. Eric Scott, I like what he's doing. Um, had a lot of fun doing it. And, uh, so I went down that track and, um, you know, majored in physical education. I started coaching at Dubuque senior high school while I was in college. Uh, one of my friends, a couple of years older than me, Chris Keplinger on our team was, um, was the head coach at Dubuque senior while, and he's like, you should come be my assistant, you know, and I'm, you're a phys ed guy. I think you got to, you know, a knack at this and, and come be my assistant coach. So I think by my sophomore year in college, I was, you know, playing in the fall, assisting in the spring at, at senior, um, you know, and, and had some good experiences doing that. And then graduated uh, Loris. You know, I had a couple of years of experience on under my belt compared to a lot of the people that I was going up against jobs for. And I thought, you know, I could stay in the high school thing and teach or, you know, I could try this college gig and, and I wanted to try that. So I applied for every job out there. Um, and I got an opportunity at Plattsburgh State University, which is in upstate New York, right on the Vermont uh, Canada border, way up north. Um, and I was assistant out there um, for the men's and women's teams. And I was blessed to work with some great coaches and a great program. And I, I didn't sight unseen. It was 24-hour drive. I wasn't going to go look at the campus. You know, it was, you take this job, it pays $3,000. We give you a place to live. I think I lived in a hallway. Um, and then, you know, you, you did that because you, you wanted to get your foot in the door. So I did, did that for a year. I actually came back to Dubuque. Um, that spring to coach senior again. Um, and I was still planning on going back to summer and Eric left Loris. Um, and so the job at Loris was open. I didn't get it. I didn't want it at that point, but um, a new coach came in and he offered me to be a the grad assistant. And so I was able to do that, be the grad assistant for a year. And then he left. And so at that point, I was like, I, I think I really want to try this. So I, I approached administration. I know the guys had my back, even though I played with some of those guys. You know, they were still – the freshmen and sophomores are guys I had still played with. And um, or now they're juniors and seniors. And uh, I got the job, you know. I think it paid – men's and women's job. And I think it paid 10000 a year. And, and it was, you know, supposedly part-time. And I was still the coach at Dubuque Senior in the spring. And, and uh, you know – kind of got jump started from there. Our team's had such success and then, you know, made it full time and then really got going. You know, the women's team really got going in about, that was 1998. I should say, I should say when that was. Um, so we became the head coach in 98, 2001, the women's team really took off and started making NCAA tournaments and winning conference championships. And the men were close. And then in about 2005, the men really took off. And, you know, we had a great run of success on both sides. And, um, and then this year, uh, you know, did that for, you know, 22 years. I had, like I said, we had great success making conference championships and compete for national tournament stuff and making some final fours on the men's side and had a lot of fun doing it. But 
this past January, a year ago, um, you know, I, I changed, I pivoted. I, I went to, uh, now I'm in a field where I'm helping kids in the recruiting side of things. I'd seen the good, bad, and ugly of uh, recruiting in the, in the game of college sports and uh, wanted to help a different way and, you know, started uh, top student athlete recruiting about three months ago. So um, it's going really well, helping kids find the best fit college for them and find the best value and, and the best opportunity for them to, to go to college and compete in the, the sport they love. And primarily I'm working with soccer kids and trying to do this a little bit differently. I'd seen a lot of services out there that really I didn't like a whole lot when I was uh, on the coaching side. And so trying to do things, uh, you know, in a way that because I know the game well and because I can go see him play and, and, and people will value my opinion, um, you know, I can use that to my advantage. Awesome. Uh, so a couple, couple questions right off the bat. Did you always do the men's and women's programs? I did the women for 17 years. Um, I did the men for 22. So 2015, our men's team made a run for the national championship, lost in the national championship game. That was my last year of the women's. After that, I, I hung up the women's side. I just started also being associate athletic director that year in overseeing recruiting. So I was really doing three jobs at one point um for about a year and there was just no way I could continue to do all three so I uh you know I handed the women off to coach Matt Pucci who's still doing it at Loris today and then uh he was my assistant um and then I continued with the men and then associate athletic director nice how uh, how difficult was it to manage both programs different genders as far as coaching schedules and things like that that's a great question. Um, I thought it was normal, right? And I always tell people that. I thought it was normal because that's all I had ever done. Um, and I had done it at Plattsburgh. I had seen it done at Loris when I was a student. Um, the women's team had just started my senior year at Loris in 95, uh, but I would seen it. Um, yeah, you know, managing both and on one field, right, and complications, and, and we didn't have lights to start with, and, and there was all kinds of challenges, right, but making sure you didn't favor one over the other, um, I always, you know, made sure of that. I made sure that, um, you know, I was being even on a lot of things, and I, I have some funny anecdotes with that, but um, yeah, challenging for sure, um, but I didn't know any better. I think that's the biggest thing. I, I mean, my team is in a lot together. We travel together, play the same school on the same day, play a lot of, uh, you know, back-to-back games. Um, you know, I had good help, good assistance who would warm up the team or maybe meet the team for pregame. And, you know, some things that a lot of coaches would not like. I didn't meet my team. You know, if the men played second, I would never meet them for pregame and talk to them before the game because I was coaching the women's game. Um, you know, but uh, – I think they learned to, to figure that out. They, they were very tight in, in terms of, uh, you know, the relationship and, and uh, that type of things. I did a lot of things the same. I'll be totally frank with you. Like, um, we played a lot of similar style and so practices. A lot of times you could run the same almost session back to back and you wouldn't have to plan for two totally separate sessions. Yeah, they had their own little intricacies and things like that. But, um, you know, that was the ways I was able to manage it doing both for all those years. And, uh, you know, same formation possibly and things like that. And uh, maybe not ideal because maybe the team could have done better with, you know, playing a different way. But it was you know, to maximize the, the time and things like that. And then the recruiting pace was a bit different because obviously 
high school seasons and, you know, kids are playing different locations and, and, um, you know, I recruit a lot of kids from Illinois. I recruit a lot of kids from Illinois. So their high school, their club teams are opposite, right? The, mm-hmm. the boys season is playing, you know, club in the spring and the girls are playing in the fall. And so there's recruiting you're missing out on potentially or um, doing some other things that you might miss. And, um, but like I said, it's all I ever knew for that long period of time. We had some interesting situations that happened um, where the teams were competing for big things. Um, both teams in the NCAA tournament at different locations. And how do you pick mm-hmm. who you go with as a head coach? And happened um, quite a bit. And it was um, you know, one of those things for a while I was flipping a coin. Like the first day I'd go with this group and the second day I'd go with this group. If I could make it happen, if I could get from one place to another, um, I was able to manage that a little bit. But there were a handful of games where I had to pick and – make a choice and and uh, i did flip a coin for a while um towards the towards the end I, I grew into like okay which team has a better chance of making a serious run at a national title and right. i would go with that group um you know so i will tell you my assistants will tell you this to this day that every time i didn't coach a, a game when i and that was the only time i missed a game was when it was national tournament big things on the line and every time that happened my assistants won that game without me so maybe there's nothing made on this coaching thing. Maybe it does not <laughs> me being present isn't the most important thing. But I think that's soccer, right? I think you prepare, sure. you get your team ready. It's different than, you know, you're not calling a play on the sideline and, and things like that. Maybe a couple adjustments, but, um, you know, you prepare your team the week before the game, right? Sure. Absolutely. What uh, – so through – yeah, obviously you're doing something else now, and was it more so – like you kind of alluded to earlier, the the negative sides, or you saw just a kind of a gap in in between the uh, the knowledge of what the players needed to do and what the coaches were looking for in recruiting, or was it like also some part that that was one of your favorite things to do, like you know recruiting like recruiting players? Was there any piece of that, or was it more so the the the? Yeah, yeah, so I think it's a combination of all of that, John. It's a combination of all yeah. of that. So saw so many mistakes, right? And like a kid who overshot and thought he was division one and big time division one and, and didn't give anybody else a look. And then, then, then it was too late for him when they wanted to get, you know, when they realized, you know, Oh guys should go maybe play D2, D3, NAIA, whatever. And then they, it was too late for him and the teams had full rosters or, or they just decided not to play or, you know, um, you know, people using services that maybe, just put their name on a website and, and their video and you know, ask a coach to go find it, which isn't how it works, right? Uh, kids have to develop relationships with coaches and, and not realizing how that all works. Or, or just hearing the horror stories of, you know, coaches not, uh, you know, a kid commits somewhere else and another coach, you know, he calls another coach and tell him that he's going somewhere else and he gets reamed and told that, you know, I put all this time and energy into you and, and you, you know, treat me like this. And I'm like, there's gotta be a, a way that you can do this differently and, and get kids connected more and, and, uh, but also do it in the honest and personal approach where that is going into it. And I think that's one of the reasons we were really good. I think, you know, I got kids that could have, should have, would have played it you know, division one levels. And, and uh, that's one of the reasons we were, we were really successful was the recruiting piece. And, 
you know, I, I did like it. You know, it was a it was a challenge for me to, you know, take that kid that you know could get a walk on somewhere or or get a, a small scholarship somewhere and, and get them to to come play and, and compete for a national title or something like that. And I just saw one of the things I saw too was just the, the ego gets involved, right? Like um, a lot of kids who had to play division one or had to have scholarship attached to their name. And, you know, and maybe that wasn't the right fit for them, or maybe, um, you know, they could go to a different place and, and compete for a national championship, like, a, like a Loris where I was at, or they could go to a, a low level, you know, uh, division one or division two school where their season ends before they even make the conference tournament. And they only win five games a year, but their ego loves it so much that they're, uh, you know, they're okay with that because you know, their egos is, is taken care of. They're not competing for championships. So I wanted the kids that wanted to compete for championships. You know, that's where I was selling, you know, Hey, come here. You might go there and, and win five games next year, but you come to me and we're going to get to the national tournament. We're going to make a run at some things. And, and uh, it was really a fun part of my job for sure. Hmm. Yeah. So, Cutting down now transitioning. So you, you've mentioned it a couple of times. Um, so where do you really set yourself apart with what you're trying to do as opposed to some of the other services that, right, you're kind of alluding to? And I think we all know we don't have to name specific names right there. And, and again, it's, it's a pretty saturated in terms of online, right? It's like you, you go here as club coaches. I know Jack and I hear it all the time, right? Whether the club wants to go with a certain online service or you get parents asking, hey, which one, that one, that one. So how did how did you kind of veer away from that? How do you separate yourself? Yeah, so so I started a top student athlete recruiting with that idea of how could I be different, right? And how could I – it's a very crowded marketplace, like you just mentioned. You know, there's a lot of people saying they'll help and, and get the kids to where they want to be. Um, obviously, my, my experience, right? You know, I coached, you know, almost 40 seasons of college soccer. You had men's and women's together. So knowing the game, understanding the game. When I started talking about doing this, you know, um, I can, you don't have to, yes, film is really important, but uh, a trustworthy, um, you know, source like myself, I can call a college coach and say, I have a kid and nine times out of 10, that coach is going to be like, well, they're in the door. They're at least in the door. We need to see him play because Dan Rothert um, has recommended them. You know, some of these other services, you, you go there and you, one person sells you on the service. Another another person helps you put yourself on a website. Third person, you know, is trying to connect you with colleges, and they've never, you know, they haven't coached before. Um, you know, some of these different things, and you know, there's a lot of good web-based sites that you know you put your name out there, and they're pretty cool looking, and get your video up. I get it, um, and we and I have that. I also have the opportunity to go. Um, you know, I go see every kid I work with, play, you know, more than once. Um, you know, I go see them play. I'll be able to evaluate them. I, so I know the coaches that I'm calling and saying, hey, this kid is, is your level, right? I know the level of the kid. I'm not going to, you know, push a kid to go Division One who's not Division One. That puts mud on my service, you know, mud on my face, and, and I'm not doing the best job. Or I think a lot of services are pushing kids down people's throats and saying, hey, this kid, you should look at them. Um, I don't do that. I look at a kid and, and I put the kid, you know, to the schools that they would match with um, athletically. And I think that's a big piece of it and academically and all those different other things. But 
I can tell, hey, I've not seen this kid play. I think they're good for your level. Um, you know, and, and then, this, then it's up to them to figure that out. You know, I also have a VO camera. I, when I go watch him play, I put the camera up and, and take some more game film for him. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think that's a big piece of it. And, and so some kids have good film. Some other kids from some clubs don't have film at all. And uh, mm-hmm. trying to get it out there for people to have those, those pieces to the puzzle too and, and just have that, you know, I put my camera up and other people reach out too. And they're like, wait, I, I saw your cameras at my game and my kids scored three goals today. Can I get the game <laughs> film, right? Yeah, you can get the game film. I'll help you out. You know? yeah. So I give a lot of free information. I think that's another piece. Like, yeah. I literally give, you know, free webinars to clubs, um, to high school teams, um, telling them about the process, how it works, um, you know, and then I hold their hand through the process if someone signs on with me. And I think that's another difference maker is – I'm a facilitator of the process. I don't let kids fall through the cracks. If someone signs on with me, they're going to, you know, every week I'm touching base and here's an assignment, you know, I call it assignments, but, you know, tasks you got to do or where are we at with things and what are coaches you're talking to as it gets a little further down the line? How are they communicating with you? And it's, it's not just put your name out there and, and then you're on your own. Um, you got me for life, really, and, and I become a facilitator in your process. So I think those three big things are are the difference. You know, I go see him play. I have game film capability. And then the, the facilitation thing, it's, mm-hmm. as I say to people, you know, I'm helping to facilitate this first major decision of your life. And a lot of people don't know where to even start. And so I'm helping you get started. You know, some people do it because, they want uh, less stress on the process, uh, you know, in terms of the family stress and people, you know, that whole thing. Some people don't know where to start. Others, you know, they want to be in more more funnels and have more opportunities and get more exposure, and I help with that. Um, and then others want to save money because I can help navigate the financial aid process too because I was associate athletic director in charge of, of uh, recruiting. I know that how that process works in, inside and out. So mm-hmm. I think those are the differentiators for sure. What uh, are you are you looking more for in-state kids nationwide, or are you uh, also out of country as well, bringing kids in from other countries to American colleges? Yeah, that's a. I haven't gotten there yet. It may happen. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I've got a couple kids in the hopper that have reached out to me. That are you know, I had a kid yesterday from Iceland, right? And I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, I got to reach back to him and and see what his interest level is and where that might go and, and sure. things like that. Um, typically it's, it's been regional so far. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I can get out and see a couple uh, you know, these kids play, but you know, I, I picked up a couple kids from Wyoming a few weeks ago who are kind of in an area that gets overlooked um, flyover state for sure. And soccer isn't, you know, massive there and, and mm-hmm. but they're really good players. I think the one kid is, is uh, you know, he's definitely one of the best players in the state of Wyoming. And, um, you know, his team won a state championship, you know, a year and a half ago now, I guess. But he was a freshman and, and killing it. And he's looking for opportunities. And it's hard for kids in Wyoming to get found. So, you know, I, I tend to work with the kids who might get overlooked a little bit. I tend to, um, you know, I'm kind of regional right now, but I'm okay stretching that. You know, if someone reaches out where I find a – you know, an area that it seems to work for me. I'm going to be on top of that. And, you know, the foreign kids, you know, they have some of those services out there. I know that, but um, if someone reaches out and I'll, I'll help those kids too, I know the process for those kids as well. So. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know that from past experience when I was trying to come over to America and I was signed up with a recruiting agency as well. The help that we received for the money that we paid was probably pretty minimal as far right. as I know deep down that I probably gone, could have gone to a better college or I could have gone to a better area to uh, maybe increase my opportunities to play further on college. Uh, I'm not saying that uh, I, I'm not happy with where I am now, obviously, sitting here with watch, YouTube. But, watch but, your uh, words, man. <laughs> <laughs> but I know that, uh, yeah, you could, uh, for what we could do for kids as far as recruiting, it, it could be uh, could be done a little bit better. So um, I, I have a question just going back to um, the recruiting side of, as far as what do you notice about – when you say that kids have a bad experience or they maybe choose the wrong college, what what is that usually down to? Is that down to uh, their current coach? Is that down to a parent or or just the kid themselves? Man, every every reason you just mentioned. <laughs> you know, um, it's different for every kid, right? Um, you know, first off, you know, the, someone's no one wants to crush dreams, right? So a mm-hmm. kid thinks he's he's Division One, let's say, and and nobody tells the kid he's not. So they they only reach out to Division One schools, and then you know, and then they go and they they don't have any options, or you know, they do have one option, but it's not very good, and and uh, you know, maybe it's not the, the right fit place, or you just think they could have helped help somewhere else a little bit more. Um, sometimes it's parents in the ear. Sometimes it's, it's coaches. You know, I've seen it come from, you know, the coaching side where a high school coach or a club coach says, Oh yeah, you know, you're, you're division one kid. And then, you know, and then all of a sudden, um, no division one schools come calling and then they uh, are left kind of in a lurch. So I think everything you just mentioned happens and and you got to kind of be honest with yourself. And I try to bring that honesty to the table without crushing their dreams. But what I do is I say, Okay, you're to think you're Division One. Let's reach out to those Division Ones. Let's do it. Um, but we're also going to reach out to some D two, some D three, some NAI, some junior colleges, and you're going to find out who's really interested by what you get back, right? And that's very telling in the whole process. And and I think for me that you know no one gets left you know stuck in that problem I just mentioned, or or at least they've reached out to a whole bunch of different places and. And, um, you know, and then I think, I think there's a lot of misinformation out there too, where, um, you know, people don't think division three sounds bad, right? Like if you look at the, you know, the prem and then you have first division, second division, third division, you know, you look at the European model, even the club model and people think third division is, is, is bad. You know, it's not as good. Well, it's, they're not third division because they lost to, to the, a division one team and they got knocked down and relegated. That's not how it works, right? They're, it's a philosoph- philosophical choice of the college. And there can be some really good division three or NAI teams that could beat division one teams. You know, my team mm-hmm. would beat some division one teams when I was coaching. Oh. And, and uh, you know, I think that's something that people don't understand either that they think, okay, this is, this is the end all be all for me. I have to go D one or, or they put a lot of money in the club um, and, and, you know, trying to, in hopes of being a division one athlete. Um, and then I think the thing with soccer too, is I don't know that people realize it, but 
you know, we're not Division One football and basketball where everybody's on a full ride and you're on TV every week, right? Um, yeah. You know, the max scholarship is 9.9 on the men's side and, and 14 on the women's side if the team was fully funded. And if you have 30 players on your team, you know, that's not even a 30 year roster um, would be on a scholarship. And then you divide it up and, you know, people are getting partial scholarships and things like that. And, um, you know, I think when people start that process and they start their 12-year-old in a serious, you know, team that they think is going to help them get recruited, and then they come to, you know, I don't know if they ever get to that realization that, um, you know, there are other options out there where you could, you know, have a great experience and, and uh, you know, academic, you know, money would be involved and maybe there's no scholarship money involved and, and it's still a really good program. So, mm-hmm. so many different reasons. Um, you know, it's such a great question. I can go on and on on that one. For sure. sure. Um, I just have one more question on that too. So it's, we're talking about what, what ages is a good, a good time to start recruiting for yourself and for colleges to start recruiting. I know there's, a um, an age restriction on that, but what do you think about kids starting to look when they're a little bit younger? I know that in the professional game in England, you're looking at kids getting picked up when they're six, seven, eight years old. So do we need right. to tell uh, do we need to tell Nick Sullivan not to worry about Owen and uh, Landon yet or <laughs> Oh he's probably worried. He's probably worried. He's worried. Uh, he's worried. <laughs> I'm going to be helping him. I'm sure of that. Um, <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> so I told you I, I told you when we talked last week, you know. I, yeah. he, I I committed to being Owen's agent when I first had him when he was, you know, <laughs> like 4. I said like, I can't it, there's like uh, ten Sullivan, so you could just make a, your whole business around that family. Yeah, that's right. That's right for <laughs> sure. Um, yeah, that's a great question. So yeah, there's rules in place to try to prevent mm-hmm. you know it from getting too crazy too early. But those sure. those aren't. I don't think those are real. Like okay, so June or September, June fifteenth after your sophomore year, a coach can evaluate you, talk mm-hmm. to you off campus. Actually, just talk to you off campus or. Uh, or have you visit or call, you know, call, well, you can call them anytime. Right. Yeah. Um, so, or you can have your club coach call them or you can have a guy like me, a call them and, and you see kids that are signing and as, or verbally committing to a college when they're in ninth grade. Right. It happens. Mm-hmm. So um, I don't think that's, you know, that, that holds it all in, in check. I do think, um, I think it's good to start thinking about it, you know, freshman, sophomore year, you know, we've got some kids I work with eighth grade year. They start at least thinking about it. Maybe when they go to a tournament out of town, they can go walk around a campus, um, mm-hmm. you know, just to kind of get a feel of a place or maybe, um, you know, go and, uh, you know, ninth grade and go to an ID camp somewhere at a campus because you, you want to see what the level is at a, you know, a big D one and maybe a, a small D three and kind of get a feel for it places a little bit early um, starting thinking about grades. I mean, your freshman year grades matter because no one's getting a full ride in soccer. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just the way it is. Unless, you know, you know, who's getting a full ride in soccer, maybe an international. Um, that's mm-hmm. really, really top of the top of the line. And, and it's going to make a huge difference, but grades are really important. So thinking about that as a freshman is a big piece of it. And then, um, you know, getting on some radars, putting your name out there, Maybe coaches can see you play when they're in a tournament and things like that, freshman and sophomore year. I think sophomore year it starts picking up. Um, it's a little heavier on the women's side, um, a little bit younger. So the women's recruiting seems to be a little bit younger. Um, I think they're a little more uh, 
they've hit their top end in terms of at least growth. You know, you have the late bloomer on the men's side that you might not have on the on the on the women's side. So on the women's side, it might even start. You know, freshman sophomore year, I would say for sure be on radars. But I think if you're on it by sophomore year, you're in a good spot. Um, you know, the junior year at this time, you you're 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 on the cusp of, of being late um, mm-hmm. for sure. And then, you know, senior year is obviously way too late. So I think, uh, I think the earlier, the better, like my service, one of the things I decided to do was I'm a one-time fee, right? And why am I a one-time fee? Because if you jump on me, with me as a ninth grader, it's the same cost it is as a senior and it's going to be at the same amount of work. It's just faster. You know, if yeah. I have to do it for a senior and help them out, we're going to be pushing the envelope to do something very fast. If you're a ninth grader, we can take our time and ease into this and there's going to be a little less stress to the process. So, um, so I think there is some value in starting younger, but I don't think you have to jump on it, you know, in sixth grade or, or when you're six years old. So, sure. Hmm. So if you could just give us a few key highlights of your take on, um, players role in their recruiting parents role in that players recruiting and a coach's role in that players recruiting. I know you could go. Uh, there's a ton of information. I could go on and on. Yeah. Players' role. Players' role is the biggest one, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think the players have to do a lot of work. Here's what I tell people: um, the top one percent gets found, right? Like mm-hmm. everyone's waiting to get found by a coach, and the coach is going to send them a letter and and uh, you know, or or call them and start recruiting them. It doesn't work that way. You got to get your name out in front of coaches. You have to market yourself. So the other 99% have to market themselves in, in the sport of soccer, especially like uh, these Olympic sports, as they call them at, you know, the, the college level, they don't have the budgets the, or the time or energy to, to go out and find every kid that's out there. The top 1%, everybody knows about, you know, and everybody's, you know, the top schools are going after those kids, but the other 99%, you got to get your name out in front of them. And coaches want to hear from a student athlete. They don't want to hear from, the parents that hey i got a great kid here well yeah every parent thinks their kid's the best and that's the last thing a coach wants to hear from is is the is the parents they might you know want some parent involvement in terms of asking them questions and and uh you know seeing where the parents fit financially and talking to them a little bit more about the family and the kid and stuff like that but i would say you know 90 percent of it is you know with uh you know the players doing a lot of the work you know when i'm involved like I'm helping give, um, you know, that I'm calling college coaches on people's behalfs and, and helping on that end of things and facilitating the process. Like I said, I held those kids' hands so they do the work. And I think that's one thing. If, if they don't have me, you know, the parent needs to be holding the kid's hand to make sure they're getting the work done. You know, teaching kids how to respond to email or, or to respond to email or have a voicemail that's set up. So when a coach calls you, you know, yeah, yeah there's a voicemail and they can leave a message and you have to call them back. Right. Um, yeah. So their parents have to teach a lot. And, um, and that's what I'm doing too, is I'm trying to teach that process and how that all works. So that's kind of the parent involvement. I would see the coach involvement. That's tough. You know, coaches are busy and they got practices and they got teams. And if you did it for every kid in your club, you did, it's a full-time job. Um, if you went, you know, all the way in, in terms of, you know, helping these kids, you know, but being able to reach out to coaches, being available for, you know, as a reference check, obviously, you know, um, but I, I think it comes down to the, to the student athlete doing the work. Um, and like I said, 
if someone's helping facilitate the process like a coach, great. But every coach is different. And I think that's a, you know, I don't expect every coach to be doing it. There's some coaches out there that really dive into this and help the kids do it. And uh, that's awesome. And there's others that uh, just don't have the time and energy for it. And they have families and all these different things going on on top of their coaching job. It's not, you know, uh, sometimes it's, it's not paid for and, and uh, it becomes an additional challenge. So I would put a lot of it on a kid, but uh, that's where I got involved and, and where I get involved is to help facilitate that process so that they're getting it all done. Awesome. Well, as we're uh, typically do as we're winding down here, um, if you want to, we typically end with uh, your favorite soccer memory. Uh, Jack, Jack, can I, can I, can we ask, can we ask uh, one before that? Sure. You can do whatever you want, John. Thanks, Jack. Um, <laughs> uh, Dan, can you give us uh, maybe one, uh, one horror story? Um, again, no names necessary, but one horror story recruiting, um, and then one maybe success story that maybe you're talking about some overlooked players, someone that was overlooked but ended up having a great career, whether you, it was at Loris with you or someone that you've seen um, kind of go through it, kind of both ends of the spectrum, horror story and uh, success story. Yeah, horror story. Um, I'll give you one. Um, you know, first – You were quick, quick to that. It sounds like you might I have – I got lots of horror stories. I got lots. I got lots. Um, you know, and it, it always hurts because you, you come, you know, you, you put a time and investment into a kid and then if you lose a kid, there's a horror story. Right. But, right. but to see the horror stories of the recruiting thing, I had, um, I went, I was at a game and I saw a couple kids play on a team, um, on a, the opposing team that I was, I was watching another kid. And I, I'm like, I like these kids. I've never seen them play. And there was three kids. I really liked them. And I reached out to the coach of the, of the club, which is also a process. Like, Sometimes as a college coach, you reach out to a club coach, you don't get any response. And it's very fr- really frustrating, all right? Um, so I reached out. I like these three kids. I think they're good Division three level players. Um, and I didn't – I got a response from the coach, and he said, hey, coach, thanks for responding. Uh, thanks for reaching out. But those three kids are Division one. Um, and – I kind of giggled to myself because I'm like, they're not division one. Right. But it's what it is. Um, I can't control that. I'm not going to get in the fight and I'm going to keep a good relationship with you and, and all of that. Um, so long story short is uh, six, nine months later, whatever it was, all three of those kids were knocking on my door. Um, and I'm like, well, it's pretty late in the game. Like what's going on? And, um, well, you know, we were waiting for division one and we tried to go to some camps and we didn't have the, the looks that we wanted. And, and I'm like, yeah, I'm not surprised by that you're here right now. Um, and, uh, you know, those kids kind of got railroaded a little bit, you know, and, and I, I feel, I felt for them. They might've had more options. Um, if they would have been diversifying earlier, like I mentioned before, um, mm-hmm but they put all their eggs in one basket, the division one basket, and um, it almost missed out on that opportunity. All three ended up playing at division three schools. Um, and, uh, you know, they, they had an opportunity to play, but they were close to missing the boat and, and that would have been a, a bad deal. And so, you know, that's just one of a million horror stories I could tell you. Um, but that's certainly there. Uh, you know, neat opportunity. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 some great things. There's some great, 
coaches out there that, you know, I was recruiting one kid, um, you know, uh, a while back from a big club in Chicago and he was really, really good, but small. And, you know, I was talking to the director of the club and he's like, Hey, you're like that kid. And, you know, he's, he's going to grow. Look at his arms, man. They hang down to his kneecaps. And I'm like, yeah, they do actually. Right. And, um, you know, the kid was not really getting heavily recruited by the D1s because he was five foot six at the time and maybe 110 pounds. And, and, um, but he was so slippery and, and so, um, quick and, and, uh, things like that. Um, he ended up coming to me and, and, uh, you know, three-time All-American, you know, and he was, uh, you know, two Final Fours, um, competing for some really big things. And, and uh, there was no doubt in my mind that kid, if he wanted to, could have played professional, um, could have played at the highest level of Division One. Um, mm-hmm. But he got overlooked because he was five foot six and 110 pounds when he was, you know, 17 years old. So, you know, we ended up getting him, and uh, the club was really proactive with it. Um, actually, you know, a couple of Division One coaches had – you know, where I was talking with them and, and coaches talk, right? D1s, D3s, we all talk. We know who each other are. Um, and then, uh, you know, even some of the Division One coaches were like, yeah, I just don't know. If he doesn't grow, we're out of luck. You know, we play such a big, fast, down-your-throat game. And I'm like, well, you know, well, if he, are you going to say no or what, man? Because if you are going to say no, I'm going to jump on him right now, right? Yeah. And, you know, they're like, well, yeah, he's, he's not going to get an offer with us. And I'm like, like, ball game, right? I'm going after it. I think that's another thing real quick is that differentiates me maybe than other people is I know all the coaches. And if I don't know them, I'm one step away from knowing them. So I can call on anybody and say, Hey, I got a guy or I got a girl. They would be a great fit for your program. And, you know, I can, people will trust that, you know, even if I don't know them personally, that, you know, I know all the other coaches and they know who I am. So I think that's a big differentiator too. So, but uh, yeah, you see it both ways. You see coaches who are really helpful and, and, and honest about the process. You get others that, you know, they're trying to be helpful, but sometimes it railroads a kid too. So, um, yeah. those are some, some quick stories. Awesome. Awesome. All right, Jack. Sorry. Okay. Well, that's typically <laughs> we do on this podcast. We, uh, we end with our favorite soccer memory. <laughs> I'm glad that you did, uh, add that question though. Cause, uh, I enjoyed both of those stories, Dan. So thanks for that. So yeah, no favorite, favorite soccer memory. There's probably a few. Yeah, just seeing, uh, I think, you know, seeing some of the big successes that we had, at, you know, as a coach at, at Loris, I think that was a big thing where, um, you know, I think my team's overachieved when I was there a lot of the time. Like, mm-hmm. so, you know, we were in the national championship game and we're, you know, from a, a little school in Iowa who people wouldn't always say, hey, that's going to be a soccer power. And, and, you know, so 2015 in the national championship game and, you know, it's in Kansas City. So we had a, you know, probably, you know, three, 4,000 Dewhawks down there watching the game and, and uh, just the excitement and things like that around the program. And then, Hey, you know, I had a little something to do with building that and making that happen it was pretty cool. And, uh, but super proud of those guys. And, and that was a lot of fun. Um, yeah. Soccer memory. in terms of me as a player, I don't have a whole lot, you know, I, I always laugh that, uh, you know, 1992 to 96, you know, I was a pretty decent college player at division three level but um i couldn't even touch a candle to some of the division three players now so um but uh you know definitely you know going getting to go play in college you know i i started my first game and 
I, I came in as a forward out of high school and I looked around and I told the coach, well, the forwards are really good. I'm not going to play it forward, but I could beat out your backs. Right. And, um, and so I started a left back my freshman year, my first game. And, you know, I, I was, you know, pretty proud of that and, and had a really good run for four years. So those are just a couple of quick things. Good stuff. Uh, all right. Well, we, we do appreciate it. We'll let you uh, get back. So, uh, before we go, where can uh, people find out more information? Um, you know, Twitter, Instagram, website. Um, just tell people where to find you at. Yeah, so my website's uh, topstudentathleterecruiting.com. Um, kind of a long name. I need to shorten that. But, uh, <laughs> you, know, you know, topstudentathleterecruiting at gmail.com. Um, my phone number is 563-564-6122. Um, you can reach me any of those places. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you see my stuff there, but, uh, you can DM me on Twitter and that's a big thing in the recruiting world these days is Twitter direct message. You know, I think that's a, a big way for kids to get found and seen. So mm-hmm. um, I'm on there as well. So lots of different options to get a hold of me, but, uh, top student athlete recruiting. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's going really well. So I appreciate you guys having me on. Awesome. Absolutely. Thanks for coming on. We'll make sure that we uh, plug that when we post this episode. For sure. Absolutely. Well, Thanks, Thank you for your time. Thanks. Appreciate it. Drive safe. Drive safe. Uh, we'll, we'll tell Herrera and Ike Bruns that you said hello. <laughs> uh, please do. Are they going to help you as coach or what? <laughs> I, 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 we're trying to get Ike. I, they're, they're both flirting with it. I think they miss it, though. Yeah, I, I got to – yeah, I think I talked to Ike. He said he was thinking about trying it out and giving it a yeah. run. So, we'll see. Uh, they're fun, guys. Good All right, guys. All right, guys. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks, Tim. See you, Dan. Yeah, you bet.